When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, freedom. It was freedom. Money does not make you happy, but money makes you free. Hello, and welcome to Rich is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast for your wallet. I'm Jerry Willis with the Fox Business Network. Now, normally, I'm interviewing folks like money experts, financial advisors, money managers, and the like, but today, I have an extra special guest. I want to bring to you a woman you all know and no doubt love. She's an anchor of Fox and Friends whose new book, The Light Within Me, debuted on the New York Times bestseller list, Ainsley Earhart. (laughs) Ainsley, it's so good to have you here. Thank you, Jerry. So excited. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I just love you. You've been through so much and you've shared your story and you've come back stronger and better because of it. Support from people like you has meant the world to me, I have to say, okay. really has. And, and I want to tell folks out there, you know, I always get questions like, what's that Ainsley like? <laughs> and I always tell them, the woman you see on TV, warm, embracing, smart, savvy, that's Thank Ainsley. You. She's Thank the you. same person on air as she is off air. And you know how unusual that could be. Thank you so much. All right. I want to talk about your new book, The Light Within Me. And as you can see... I want to show you. Imagine this in your mind. I, I have like put post-its all through it and marked Aww. places that I thought were very Thank interesting. Thank you for reading it. And the most surprising thing in the book is that at one point you wanted to be an orthodontist. Correct. Crazy. The book actually tracks your evolution as a Christian Sunday practitioner, I would mm-hmm. say, to somebody who's more deeply faithful. Why did you want to tell this story? Well, HarperCollins came to me and they said, we're interested in doing a book about your faith because they had seen my first two children's books were very successful by the grace of God. And I was able to share some special stories through those. And our viewers bought them and loved them. And so HarperCollins said, we would, we always hear from people that they like the fact that you talk about your faith and we want to write a book about it. And um, do you mind sharing your story? And you know, you can't say no to that. That's like saying I people out there want to know about your relationship with God, but you want to keep it all to yourself and you don't want to share it. And so you can't do that because I have to say yes to God. That's what got me here in the first place. And when I started saying yes to him and listening to him and opening the door when he was knocking, um, my life just became so enriched and blessed. And I, I didn't do it because I wanted those blessings. I did it because I needed him. And when I learned to rely on him because I was tired of doing it myself and couldn't fill that void, and I turned it over to him, he gave me all the desires of my heart, just like he promises in the word. And so um, the book is just, I want people to read it, and I don't want them to think I'm trying to shove my religion down their throats, because that's not at all what I want. I'm just being honest about my story and what God did in my life and how a girl from South Carolina through struggles, through ups and downs, many more ups than downs, but a few downs, how I made it to New York City and am living my dream. You know, it is brutally honest. 
there's there's a lot of negative and positive in there. And for I'm from the South. You're from South Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And if you live in that part of the world, you know, religion, God, yes, even Jesus is in the water down. That's right. It's everywhere. You can talk about it down there and you don't have to because everyone pretty much has grown up the way you have. We've all gone to church on Sundays. If you spent the night with a with a friend in high school on Saturday night, your parents picked you up on Sunday or you went to church with them. And I've gone to every denomination under the sun because one of my friends was Catholic. One of my friends was Methodist. My, Megan was Catholic. Cindy was Methodist. Lindsay was Baptist. I was Lutheran and Episcopalian. And every time I spent the night with one of them, we went to their churches. And so I'm very familiar with all the different denominations. And I keep saying to, to people who ask me about it, I feel like you have to go where you're fed and you have to find the denomination in the church that's right for you. And I found that I grew up in a very formal Episcopal and Lutheran churches, depending on where we lived and what city. And I learned about God, but I remember it felt like I was always at peace in those services and it was very reverent. It was a lot of stand up, sit down, you know, long (laughs) sermons and hymns. But then I started going to a Baptist church with my friends, my sorority sisters in college. And they were like, Ainsley, Shannon Baptist is such an awesome church. We meet in the movie theater because our college ministry is so big. We met in the movie theater next door to the church and we would walk over for the big church. But for Sunday school, I would go to the college ministry and that was in the movie theater. It was awesome. Jerry, they had a praise and worship band down at the bottom in front of the screen. We were all in the seats. I mean, there was not an empty seat. You had to go early to find one. Some people were standing in the back. It was a huge college ministry. And so many of the girls in my sorority that were really cool and hip and fun, and I looked up to them, they were a part of this. And so I... And I went, I joined Alpha Delta Pi at Florida State when I transferred to University of South Carolina because I changed my major, remember orthodontics, biology down at Florida State, changed my major to broadcasting and joined um, 80 Pi, affiliated with 80 Pi, my sorority at USC. And 50% of them were really strong Christians. We had our chaplain, she preached just love, 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 the love of God, like Billy Graham, just he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And then she served free pizzas. So we would all pack. We all lived on the two two floors. That's attractive very, to college yeah, students. Yeah, it is. It is. You can't afford anything else. So I would go, and Sarah would just talk about God's love. And she told me later that she did that on purpose because she wanted to attract. She didn't want all the hail, fire, and brimstone and all the condemnation. She wanted people to see what she sees, and that's how much God loves us. And so um, my life just started changing. I joined a Bible study called Experiencing God, where it's just a workbook that you do, and you do five lessons a week, and then we would get together once a week and talk about it. And God used that book to change my life. And then I go to this fraternity mountain weekend, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting in this room, and we were all drinking and smoking cigarettes. And By the way, this is a really transformative scene in the book. Yeah, and so, I, yeah, because I met Jesus at a fraternity party. I walk outside. I looked around the room and I just thought, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. There's got to be more to life than this. I've partied every single day, basically, since I've been in college. And I walked outside and it was snowing and I sat on the on the steps and I had heard people ask for a relationship with Christ and they talk about being saved. And I never really heard that before in my family. And so I just sat on the stoop and I said, Jesus, I don't know how to say this prayer, but I want you in my life, and I'm tired of living my way, Ainsley's way, and I need you, and I want what Chuck Jenkins has, and I want what Eric Eric Warren has, and I want what Eden Kellett has, all my friends that were such strong Christians, and the list goes on and on. I had so many surrounding me. 
I, if you want to hear more about this particular story, you'll find it in The Light Within Me, which is a fascinating read, just to share this Southern Christian story. So my great-grandfather uh, was a circuit-riding Baptist minister, which meant he preached for food for his huge family. He would go around the county riding on a donkey or a horse and wow. stop wherever people wanted, and he'd take home corn and whatever else he could find. Wow. Now my brother is a Presbyterian minister, so I, I pretty much figure I'm hooked up no matter what happens. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just so blown away with your honesty because people don't always take it the right way, and and but you do it in such a gracious and open way that I think it's, it's warm and inviting. Thank but you. I also wanted to talk to you about how, as a Christian, you deal with this political climate, because it is brutal. How many anchors have said to me, every morning I come in, I don't know what to expect, what I'm going to hear, and the language, the way people talk to each other, it's so harsh. How do you deal with this? It is hard. There are days, Jerry, to be honest, where I have to give it to God. I read my devotion this morning, and it talks about how um, in this world, you will have trouble and God tells us that. It's John John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I always go back to that scripture in the, in the Jesus Calling, the devotion I do every morning. It talked about that, how there are imperfections and you will have trouble. And if you haven't, you will, because that's what happens on this earth. But we have hope in what's yet to come, and that's eternity. And there are days, I, I've had some some bad days and gone through some things where I remember crying to God and just saying, I don't know if I can take it. I don't know if I want to be here anymore. I'd rather be in heaven with you. Um, but but I know God has a purpose and a plan, and I know that he's bigger than Ainsley, and he's bigger than Fox, and he's bigger than than any of us. And so I just trust him. And I know that he'll get me through the hard times, but it is difficult, especially this divisive climate we have with politics in our country. And um, I just want us all to get along and see each other's differences and love each other because of them and appreciate each other. And we can have debates and we can have dialogue. We don't have to to agree. But we're all human and you can respect that and see the divine in everybody, right? Absolutely. Yes, we're all God's children. Democrat, Republican, black, white, whatever your culture is, your background, we're all God's children. He created all of us. So uh, I was amazed by the book because it's chock-a-block full of advice. And it made me think about how many young people probably turn to you for advice all the time. You're a big role model. I mean, let's face it. Uh, I wanted to read something from the book quickly because my expertise is money. And time and again, you come back to that. That's something, you know, you weren't rolling in it growing up. Mm -mm. Um, This is something that your family paid attention to. And early on in the book, you said, Dad and Mom worked hard to save money for my sister, brother, and me to go to college. They are good people and good parents. They wanted to give us nice lives while also teaching us the value of a dollar and the importance of hard work. Knowing that, I have always enjoyed paying my own way. Tell me, what was the most important lesson you learned from Mom and Dad about money? Probably to be generous, to save, to give back to the church, to give to those who need Um, to be grateful for the food on our table, the roof over our head, to turn the light out when you walk out of the room, even if it means you saved five cents on the phone bill. Um, We couldn't make a collect call unless we um, asked permission or make a long-distance call. And when we did, Dad gave us the bill, and he would highlight it with whatever highlighter. Mine was pink, Elise's was yellow, Trent's was green, or whatever it was, and you had to pay Dad 
whatever your long distance calls were for the month. So he taught us the value of a dollar and it might have been three dollars and fifty cents. But um, I didn't understand it then. I thought, gosh, dad is so cheap. Why won't why? <laughs> but he, now looking back on it, dad could afford three dollars. He was doing it to teach us a lesson. I didn't ever want to ask my dad for money because I knew how hard he was working. He was working late hours and a job he didn't love. And he did it because he wanted to put the three of us through college because he put himself through college. So I never wanted to ask him for money because I knew every penny did did count and did matter. Dad paid cash for everything. I think he had a credit card only for emergency purposes. And um, he paid off our, our home. He doubled up the mortgage payments every month. And so he paid it off um, in half the time he was supposed to. Amazing. Amazing. I know he paid cash for all the cars, but our cars were never fancy. They've never had a Mercedes, never had a BMW. They drive, you know, definitely used cars. And my car was, we, my brother and sister and I shared a Buick Skyhawk. And when we got it, we were so unappreciative because all of our friends had Jeep Cherokees or um, Acuras. And we were so, I'm embarrassed to even say it broke my dad's heart. He got on the riding lawnmower and didn't come in. He like cut the grass all day long. He was so upset. And um, he told his Sunday school class how upset he was that we weren't grateful. And mom told us that later. And oh gosh, it was so heart wrenching because I know dad worked hard. I didn't like the stereo system because it didn't have a CD player. And my sister complained because the the wheel of the the steering wheel had padding on it that was you know aged. Anyway, it was not a beautiful car. It was um, two. But it worked. It worked. And so we had that. And my second car was a Subaru. And then I bought myself my first car that I bought was a, a used um, Honda Accord. And that was probably I was so excited to have a nice car. <laughs> You know, you were in a master's class without knowing it on money. Your dad was like Professor Emeritus true. of how to run your personal finances. It's true. And it's, that's an amazing story. Now, in the book, you talk about how your first job, you were paid $24,000, and you thought it was just an astronomical sum. I did. I, I, lo- I thought that was great. I went from zero to basically, you know, zero to 24000 <laughs> I had odd, odd and end jobs like, um, you know, making $10 an hour babysitting or $10 selling the, squirting the perfume in the mall. You know, um, but I always was working, but I'd never made a salary. I mean, this was guaranteed money and I was getting paid to do something I loved. So I made 24 the first year, 25 the second year and 26 the third year. I learned quickly that wasn't a lot of money. I did bounce a few checks and would always ask my mom for $100 here and $100 there. And I always paid her back. But um, yeah, I had to learn. I did learn that that wasn't a lot of money. When I think about families, when raising kids on that amount of money, that that's hard. It's hard. And I, I realized that when we report the news in the morning, I keep that in the back of my mind that there are so many families that are watching that can barely afford their cable bill and they're choosing to watch Fox. And I know how hard they're working to put food on the table. That's a good, good, good point. And you've had your own financial crises. You had mm-hmm. one right here in New York City. Tell us about I that. I did. So New York's outrageously expensive. Yes. And amen, 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 amen. Yeah. I remember when I moved here and I was I owned a house in Texas and my rent was double what my house was, and I had to move into a tiny little place. And so I couldn't, and it was like not even beautiful. What My house was brand new in Texas. And um, so I, I learned very fast that New York's expensive. I wasn't making a lot of money when I moved here and um, went through a hard time with the loss of a marriage and had a lot of of debt on my credit card. I had to buy furniture to move into a new place and I just put it all on the credit card and there were some lawyer fees and expenses that that I accrued. And so I put about $20,000 on my credit card. It was a lot of money and I remember just feeling this is so daunting. I can't pay this off. 
And so I just decided to hunker down. I paid $600 a month. I went on Susie Orman's website. She had a phone number. There was a government agency that helps you. And they call all your credit card companies and they consolidate them. And you're not allowed to use them. And then they reduce what the percentage was, what the interest rate was. And it doesn't hurt your credit. And I asked a million questions. I talked to financial advisors to make sure this was legit. And um, it it was amazing. It, I paid six. They, they just pulled out $600 out of my bank account every month out of my paycheck. So you didn't even so have didn't to think see about it. it. Didn't have to think about it. It was just coming out. And whatever was left is what I lived on. And that was, you know. How long did it take you? Probably, I want to say three years, I think, to pay it all off, maybe. High three five. Half, We're maybe. high fiving because yeah. that is such a big deal. And how did you feel after you paid it off? Oh, freedom. It was freedom. Money does not make you happy, but money makes you free. And you don't have to worry. The worrying just kills you. And, and you know, watching my friends run off and do fun things, and I wasn't able to do it. I did have some generous friends that, that would pay my way sometimes if, if they were invited to a big you know function and it was a hundred dollars for a plate and I was like I can't go and they would say oh we'll we'll pay your way which was so sweet so sweet so um and I remember one time we were going to the U2 concert and I couldn't go I couldn't afford the tickets those tickets were outrageously expensive and one of my friends a guy friend who was take like there were like five or six of us that were going and he said Ainsley I'll pay for your ticket which was really sweet um but I did have some generous people along the way helping me out, but I did pay it off and it, it was great. And now I can bless other people in, in other ways. That's excellent. Uh, I was amazed about your story about your daughter, Hayden. Like, how beautiful Thank is you. she? Oh, my goodness. What do you want her to know about money? I think about this all the time. I Money for me growing up where we didn't it was very stressful for us and I didn't want to ask dad for money and I knew when the garage door broke, he was not going to be happy about it and he might have not not been in the best mood that night. And so I I want I don't want to I don't want Hayden to feel that burden where you feel like you can't breathe and you always have a weight on, on worried, your chest. Worried, worry, worry, worry. Yes. Because you carry that into relationships. And um so I, I want her to be generous and I want her to know that it's gonna be okay. You can you know, I'll always take care of you and I'll be there for you. But I do want her to learn the value of a dollar and I want her to have a job. I'm gonna tell her either you're gonna be involved in sports full time or you will have a job. Period. That's the way it is. I don't want I also don't want her to get in trouble. I don't want her to have a lot of free time. She's gonna be involved in activities or she's gonna have a job. The secret of parenting is having that child busy, right? right. There's you're no right. downtime. That's I remember interviewing Ivana Trump and I asked her, How did you have so many successful these successful children that didn't need it? You know, they grew up in a billion dollar family, didn't need it. and she said, Keep your child busy. They always either have to have a job or be involved in sports or piano or, you know, music in some capacity. Well, if your daughter has a quarter, an eighth, a twentieth of your work ethic, she's gonna be super duper successful. She will have that. She will she will put her head to the ground. She will not complain. She will be grateful to all of her employers and and um, she won't have a bad attitude. I can tell you that. I think your dad said uh, uh, that you don't give up, right? You can't. You got to press on. You got to run that race. So when you take your last breath, you can look at God and he can say, well done, my faithful servant. I'm crying. Okay. This has been a fabulous interview. Ainsley, so good to talk Thank to you. you. Such so a good pleasure to to and you. great being around you. You're Great just, being around you. you Someone who appreciates life. <laughs> Yes. Someone who has learned to appreciate <laughs> life the hard way. God That's bless right. you. Thank you, Ainsley. You're welcome. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.